0: I never listen to this awful show, I doubt it with Dollamore.
1: The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter.
2: Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously.
1: Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dolomore. All right. Everybody, thank you for joining us. Welcome to episode 310 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, as always, Jesse Dollamore. And sitting across from me, the lady who... Something, something, something. Brittany Page.
3: Jesse's not doing well, (laughs) everybody.
1: Yeah. You know, last night... (laughs) Well, let's just say this. Uh, I know on the little message, the listener message, the informational message mm-hmm. that I provided.
3: The lie message. The
1: audience, yeah, the lie. I Filthy said, hey, uh, lies. listen, everybody, rain or shine, <laughs> we're going to be coming at you. It's going to be a good time. Have <laughs> my all. Yeah. And uh, that didn't happen.
3: You didn't say rain or shine. I did say rain or Or sh- puke.
1: Oh, yeah. Or poop, too. Okay. Too much?
3: Um, too much
1: information? I
3: don't know. It depends on what... <laughs> Really bothers people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not
1: a not a real good time. And now not good it time. seems like Brittany might be no getting your turn.
3: No, no, no. I feel great. Oh, all right. Yeah, you're the one who gets sick and then can't do your job. See, I mean, even listen, when I'm not, sick, no. I do my job. Listen, it's fact.
1: Okay, so d- doing your job. It, <sighs> God damn! <laughs> I don't know how deep into this I want to go. I still don't feel well. Yeah, but well enough to do the show. Here's here's part of it, and I'm not going to get into the the division of labor around here. Well,
3: I'm not just talking about this job. I'm talking about yeah, yeah. I get all the it. jobs Yeah.
1: Well, this okay. Anyway, goddamn. Listen, <laughs> we're doing the show for you guys and for us. It's you know it's a for us too. Yeah, but. It's not like, uh, I know that everybody would be like, ah, we would like to hear you, you know, poor weather, fair weather. Either way, you know, you don't have to be, you know, like a showman putting on your, your best wares for us. I think a lot of people would think that.
3: Yeah. But it's, it's kind of like- Until they hear it. It's,
1: it's kind of like hanging out with your best friend. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm everybody's best friend, but- yeah. <laughs> You got your best friend. You love them. You're you're having a good time when you're with them, no matter what. Mm-hmm. But it's not as good a time as when you're having a really good time partying. And I want this show to be partying with your best friend, having a good time with your best friend, not nursing them along. Well, so if I'm not on top of my game, yeah, or even you know having some game, I I would rather. Postpone until I'm ready to really offer up the best product that
3: I can. Right. Yeah. I think that's a pretty good summary. I was going to be adding something the whole time, but you you did pretty well there. Wow. Yeah.
1: Thank you. I, I appreciate that. You're welcome. So while not at 100%, uh, well enough to not postpone. Because if we skip another day...
3: You're not going to be running from the microphone to go to the bathroom
1: that is that is probably correct i'm actually drinking coffee which would hasten that effect anyway yeah and i don't feel like that would happen Mm -hmm. so still not feeling great again well enough to do the show yeah yeah how exciting very very exciting (laughs) we have a lot to cover we're still gonna do episode 311 tomorrow for monday for you guys because all kinds of shit happened, Ice Cube took on Bill Maher and everything else. Anyway, starting to go down. Is on this
3: one hundred percent? I don't know what's happening right now.
1: So let's let's get to a few voicemails before <laughs> before we get started. And again, because some of this news is it's not none of it stale, but it has to be covered because it all will. It comes to a head when we're going to talk about the Comey thing, which we're going to turn around and do immediately following this. So uh, speaking of Bill Maher, let's take a voicemail on the matter.
4: Hello, Destiny and Brittany. My name is Uche. I'm calling from L.A., California. Uh, First-time caller, long-time listener. This is actually the first time i ever called on any kind of podcast or radio, or anything of the sort. So uh, kudos to you guys for getting me to communicate in this fashion. Anyway, um, I wanted to talk about uh, Bill Maher uh, for a second. And just to disclaimer I'm, I'm a black man, Nigerian to be exact. Um, I have a particular different take on it. I actually wasn't offended by the joke, but I do think it should have been made by someone <laughs> of a different view. Um, I, I get the joke. I get what he was trying to say. I understand it completely. Uh It's just that it was the poor taste coming from him. And, um, you know, I, I think that maybe that sounds not too good coming from someone who is affected by that type of word, but I think that there is something to say that, you know, a joke is a joke and it's not meant to be, you know, harmful to the person, then it's okay. I think that if Bill Maher was really trying to – uh uh, use it in derogatory sense, then I would be offended. But yes, he shouldn't have used it. And um, no, I completely agree with Jesse. I think that uh he's not as funny as he used to be. And I still watch it, but he's not as funny as he used to be. I would, I would like to see a John story on there. So I agree with Jesse. And um, that was my two cents. I want to say that real quick, and you know, just probably my, uh I'll probably call it a couple more times after this. You know, I love the uh, episodes, and you is the best part. But Jesse, goddamn.
1: Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Goddamn. Well, listen, uh, I would take issue with one thing that Luce said, and that is if it it was a joke and it didn't mean to harm anyone, then ah, that should be okay. Well, listen, if I'm driving down the road and I fucking smash my car into a five-year-old toddler who happens to be in the middle of the street, I didn't mean to hurt that kid, but I hurt that kid. Pain is the is nevertheless the end result. His his apology was uh necessary.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Have
1: we talked about the fact that he apologized? We did, right? I his think ha- so. His half assed apology. Yeah, he was tired. Yeah, he was tired. That's right. It's been so long since we've done a show, Brittany. I forget about the things we've covered.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So I don't think that it it really. I mean, it does come into play that his intent probably was not to harm. But when he does, you know, sometimes that's how this works. I'm thinking through this because, you know, my mind's in the bathroom still and I'm, I'm half here. Yeah. But sometimes that is how that works. It's how does the person react in the face of a mistake that really is the test of the true, the person. Mm-hmm. And he gave a lukewarm, half-hearted, half-assed excuse for a for a for an apology. Mm-hmm. I don't believe sincere, perfunctory. Ness. It was obligatory to keep his job.
3: Well, that's how I felt with his exchange on this last show with Ice Cube and Simone Sanders. He listened to them, but it was. he didn't say anything in response to them he didn't he didn't receive the message yeah and i think a lot of people are not receiving the message well we'll
1: we'll play that on the next episode uh we'll get the audio for that and talk about that um if you've seen it call in we could we could include those uh tomorrow (laughs) for the episode tomorrow
3: we also did get an email from someone asking why Bill Maher isn't funny, because they enjoy his monologue. Hmm. <laughs> um, that question was mainly for you, I think. Uh,
1: well, I <laughs> I don't enjoy Bill Maher as a funny guy because, well, for instance, I, I feel like I can pick which jokes he wrote mm-hmm. and which jokes his writers wrote. Because he always laughs at his own joke and gets kind of cute and smarmy. There's a certain reaction Bill Maher has. Yeah. You you know, that Bill Maher style. And I always feel like I can peg which one he really thinks is great because he wrote it. Right. It might be just me. Yeah. I just, I don't like his delivery. I don't think he's.
3: Well, so it's not thinking. Listen,
1: I've not liked Bill Maher since I was a conservative and it's carried over. And I've analyzed it. Is do I not like him because I used to not like him? And that's just not the case.
3: So it's not that he's not funny, it's just his person that you don't appreciate. Yeah,
1: I think it's just I don't like Bill Maher.
3: As a as his personality.
1: Yeah, and you know, going back to what Luce was talking about about him losing his job, I'm not all frothing at the mouth for him to be fired over this. Not at all. Although the bias in me. I think I said it last time, I wouldn't shed any tears if he got fired, because I'd like to see somebody um, super quality in that position, have that time slot to really move the conversation forward and provide, you know, entertainment at the same time.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: So thanks for the call. We appreciate it very much. Let's move on. Continuing the religious conversation we've been having that has been sparked by Mark the Mailman. In Illinois, here's another voicemail.
5: Hey guys, it's Aaron from Oklahoma. I think your argument whether religions are evil, specifically Christianity, is missing a discussion on the original jihadis, the Crusaders. Certainly they operated hundreds of years ago. However, they were justified by their religious texts. And can you imagine what they would do now with technological advances? My point is similar to Jesse's. Religions are evil because they're sacred texts in general, condone evil acts. It doesn't necessarily make religious people evil because most don't take their text literally. So I propose a modification to an old Christian adage. We should love the Christian but hate Christianity. And because of Jesse's boisterous laugh and the way he says, God damn, Jesse's the best part of the show.
1: Well, it's a lot of... uh, That's
3: all it takes, huh? A lot of (laughs) reinforcements.
1: Uh, a lot of Jesse reinforcement this this episode. I kind of like it.
3: Yeah, you need it I. right now. I do
1: need it's it. It's gonna right bring now. you back
3: to life, <laughs> hopefully.
1: Well, uh,
3: well, I want to say something. Yeah, it get sounded on it. like he was. Re- Please it, talk more. It sounded like he was reading that as a as a script, but then he was driving. So I'm a little confused. Hmm. Just just shoot me a private message about that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Clear that up, yeah. for The lovely Brittany Page. Um, Yeah, imagine if the Crusades were still happening and the Crusaders were still around. Do do imagine that. What would they be doing? I could tell you what they'd be doing. They'd be oppressing gays and foisting their theology and their way of life and their moral structure on the rest of the country when they're in political power. They would be attacking the right of women to have reproductive choice. They would be protesting, angrily protesting, with with signs of chopped up fetus parts. They would be extreme. In their influence in government, trying to, again, put their way of life on the rest of the country because that's what their their good book says to do.
3: I, I don't and think...
1: that's what's happening.
3: Right. I, I don't think that talking about the Crusades resonates with people. They're not able to make that connection. Yeah. And I don't understand why. I don't know what's missing in the equation for Christians to identify within their own religion that there was this radical period of time, similar to what you're seeing now within Islam. And it's it's hard for them to really grasp that. Not sure if it's just the time. So much time has passed that well, they no I, longer well, identify think, with it. Or
1: I, I don't think it's any surprise to anybody that uh, history is not really... People aren't, uh, they're not big on reading and and looking into, well, they're not even big on reading their own fucking Bible. Mm -hmm. They're certainly not going to read other texts that would uh, shed some light on the history of their faith. Yeah. A lot of people don't even, I I would say the vast majority of Christians don't have any, if you say the Council of Nicaea, most people will give you a blank stare. And have no idea what the fuck you're talking about.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So that, that doesn't surprise me.
3: Well, I also think a lot of people are quick to look at the Westboro Baptist Church and say, well, they're not representative of all Christians.
1: Well, I wasn't even talking about that. I was talking about guys like Governor McCreary or Mike Pence, people who are in power right now. Or Governor McCreary is not, but uh, people who have been in power very recently. And there it's seemingly the main focus of their their political drive is to oppress the LGBT and to strip away reproductive rights of women. you, you know, I mean, it's not it's not, and I'm not even talking about what I consider to be, and I'm probably going to get in trouble for this, but uh, relatively reasonable uh prohibitions on abortion, like a twenty five week ban, let's say. I'm talking about making uh, the hallways of, of abortion providers be wide enough to have two gurneys side-by-side operate within... That's just unnecessary.
3: So it's important that rather than saying the Westboro Baptist Church doesn't represent true Christianity, trying to make an effort to correct that, that view within your own community because they are in the Christian community right they are and, well, and they
1: also have a, they have a, they have ground to stand on to say that this is what the Bible says because the Bible does say that
3: And there are people who are less radical in that same community yeah so those people, the moderates should be working to make those people less radical if they want to call on Muslims to do the same.
1: And they, that's a trope we hear all the time, which is, I shouldn't call it a trope because that imbues negativity on that. But ra- moderate Muslims should be condemning the actions of, of ISIS and they should be in the fight, whether it be politically or socially or actual battle against those ideologies. And I, I I agree with you. I think it's it's I I maybe adding fuel to what you're saying, but I do believe that it's it's disingenuous of modern day moderate Christians who are demanding that moderate Muslims stand up mm-hmm. when they're not doing the same fucking thing now.
3: Right. But then I can hear Mark the mailman in my ear saying, "Here you are again, acting like Christian." problems are the same as Muslim problems.
1: I don't think they are to to the degree of, of, you know, mass murder.
3: Right. But the thing is we shouldn't have to constantly keep qualifying it, right? We should be able to discuss the problems within all religions. Yeah. Without having to say, Hey, Mark, uh, Muslims, they have a they have more problems than these other religions. Okay, let's get back to what we were saying. Right. (laughs)
1: Well, I don't know why. (laughs) I mean, listen, we have an easy solution to make ISIS go away. You just call them fucking losers (laughs) and that no one likes them. And they're going to stop doing what they're doing because that's how you solve massive widespread geopolitical uh, upheaval. They don't want to hear that. It's just calling them fucking losers.
3: Yeah. in those videos that they make, (laughs) that's what really sets them off.
1: Well, that's why you've seen far fewer beheadings oh, yeah. and and cage burnings of human beings yeah. is because Donald Trump called them losers.
3: Really put them in their place. Yeah.
1: It's it's an amazing way to combat radicalism.
3: We just found who's taking care of Biz. <laughs> it's good.
1: All right. Let's let's move on. We got a couple of Wonder Woman calls and then we'll move on with the show.
5: Hey Jesse Brittany Casey from Montgomery, Alabama. Uh I just was listening to the newest episode, and you're talking about the Wonder Woman movie, and uh, talking about the strong female lead. I don't understand it, I think. Not because, like, why would... And I understand why why women get excited about seeing it, but, like, everybody's like, oh, this is the first time we've had a strong female lead, and it's not. Like, 1979... (laughs) You had Alien come out. Wow. With Sigourney Weaver. She was the lead of that movie. And Ripley, her character, is about as strong as a woman gets. So I just want to point out that while Wonder Woman, yes, deserves a lot of love because of how old she is in the comics and stuff like that. She came out in the 40s, like 47, something like that. And, uh, so, you know what I'm saying? Just, like, I understand Wonder Woman's a big deal, but. Women still have Ripley. Show some love to Sigourney Weaver. An alien. That, that that character was, I mean, oh my gosh, it's phenomenal. Uh But yeah, I just want to point that out. And also, Marvel has the Captain Marvel coming out. That's also female-led. That's going to be great. Another strong female character. But yeah, anyway, I just wanted to weigh that in. Nothing about Trump or anything right now. He's making my head hurt, so I'm going to take a break from it. But uh yeah. Love the show, like always. Have a good one.
1: How, how did we forget Ripley from the movie Alien from 1979, everybody? How did we forget that? Because clearly, after that movie was made, there was an equal distribution of strong female characters to to strong male characters after that.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, wait. No. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I I have this discussion. And al- was,
1: was Aliens 1979? That sounds really... That's like Star Wars time. Yeah, I'm going to look that up while you're ruminating.
3: Yeah, so I, I talk to people a lot about this. And it isn't that... I don't think that we said on the last episode that finally there's a female lead for the first time in 2017. <laughs> I, I don't think that was the point. But we did say that finally a a female lead is in a superhero movie carrying her own superhero movie that's a big deal yeah and if you look at the movies that have come out recently like Star Wars Rogue One yeah right uh that was a female lead a strong female lead
1: even the the new Star Wars with with what's her name
3: Daisy yeah Daisy Ridley
1: I think Rogue One is I'm not a Star Wars guy, so we've gone to both the new Star Wars movies. Let's just put it this. Both the Star Wars movies have strong female leads and co-stars. Right. Yeah.
3: And then Jennifer Lawrence, Hunger Games, right? There's obviously numerous examples to choose from. I think the argument is that it still isn't a norm, Right, that it's more common right. for women to be in roles where they are serving a man, only talking to a man, right?
1: Well, let's put it this way. When a, when, a, when a movie with a strong male lead happens, it's not news. No one's like, oh my God, awesome, finally! But because there are so few movies with female leads, strong female leads, that's the reaction Because there aren't... It isn't an equal proportion.
3: Right. Well, and women get top billing on only 24% of top grossing films.
1: Women comprise 52% of the population of the goddamn planet.
3: Right. So that's some inequality. But then Wonder Woman was also big because of Patty Jenkins. And there's a huge inequality with uh, directors in Hollywood. Female directors. And in 2015... Only seven percent of the directors for big budget movies were women. Right. So and that has been growing over the years. It's getting it's getting larger. But
1: Which, it's kind of a deal where because if a if, if a movie with a female lead bombs, they're gonna be less likely to make another movie with a female, female lead. Yeah. Where if a movie with a male lead bombs, well, you just queue up the next bomb <laughs> that you're gonna make. Yeah same with a director. Yeah. People who direct shitty movie. After, look at fucking Brett Ratner. The <laughs> guy who makes shitty, shitty movie after shitty movie and keeps getting work. Mm-hmm. There's really not. I can't. I don't probably know enough to, to say there isn't, but it seems to me there's likely not. The caveat is my dumbness here, so I'm mm-hmm. not stating facts. Yeah. Um, there's likely not a female director who just keeps getting jobs. After making movies who tank at the box office.
3: Yeah, well, and what would have happened if Wonder Woman didn't do well? Are we going to have 10 Wonder Woman movies like we do Batman?
1: That's No, of course not.
3: Yeah, yeah, it, it might not. I mean, maybe not. Maybe. I don't know. We, we don't know.
1: <laughs> Come on now. We know. Okay. All right. Thank you for the call, Casey. And one more on the topic of Wonder Woman. Hey, Jesse and Brittany.
6: This is Carissa. Um, Brittany, I just wanted to say you are Wonder Woman. You are everything that Wonder Woman epitomizes. First of all, you put up with Jesse. What? Don't know how you do that. How dare Um, you? Second of all, you are smart as fuck. Put yourself through school. And the most amazing thing of all is you can have Facebook arguments with people. I I can't even look at them. and, And I just can't. So you are Wonder Woman. Love the show. And, of course, Brittany, you're the best part. Love the
3: show. Brittany's the best
6: part.
1: Uh, I threw in a little surprise for you. <laughs> yeah. I not heard that I one. I see
3: that. Thank you.
1: <laughs> so Brittany's Wonder Woman, everybody.
3: Yeah, that was really nice. I do have a lot of Facebook debates.
1: <laughs> you do?
3: And I'm not sure if Carissa has ever had the opportunity to see them, but they're pretty, pretty exciting. Wow. They're not exciting. Pretty
7: exciting. They're not exciting.
3: Thank you so much for that. That was really, really nice. And I did get a little teary listening to it, so good job. <laughs> now I'm getting a little reinforcement. <laughs> See, I need life too.
1: All right. Let's uh we, we want to thank everybody who's called and emailed in. We appreciate it very much. Now that we'll get back on track with the shows. Eh- Following more of a rhythm. We appreciate it. If you too would like to sound off, communicate with the show, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to it at
8: Support for I Doubt It with Dolomore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going
2: and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash
1: I doubt it with Dollamore. Cody. Cody. Matt. Matt. Joel. Joel. Selena. Selena. And that's all. Thank you guys. You are awesome. Amazing. We appreciate it very much. We do have some bonus content in the works right now, and all that is brought to you by our Patreon and PayPal people. We appreciate you guys. It is uh, There are good things on the horizon, so be ready for that. Also, I want to say, we have been receiving a smattering of iTunes uh, reviews and ratings. If you haven't done that yet, wow, we would love for you to do it because... Uh, Apple is actually getting ready to they're in with this I, iOS 11 with this update that's coming. They are overhauling the the app and the way that they provide podcasts and Apple Podcasts is what it's called now, not iTunes. And that's what they want us to say. Oh. Apple Podcasts. Got it. So, Apple um, Podcasts. So go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts because it's going to be even more pivotal, even more important. Uh, to help promote the show. So if you if you've already told friends and neighbors and family about the program, um that would be the next step. Mm-hmm. Rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Yes. Also, I want to say I did look up the movie. Oh. And it was nineteen seventy nine. Wow. That's goddamn.
3: Well, now we know that Sigourney Reaver really did it for Casey. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we do. Holding on to that. Holding on to 1979, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Good
3: times.
1: Dilemocracy. <laughs> Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Well, a story that I believe is not getting enough news. The Intercept was mailed top secret. NSA reporting about what they are saying is Russia make an active attempt to hack the actual election, meaning voting software and local level government supervisory um, positions
2: of voting in the United States. BARELY ONE HOUR AFTER AN ONLINE NEWS SITE, THE INTERCEPT POSTED A STORY ABOUT A TOP SECRET U.S. GOVERNMENT DOCUMENT ON RUSSIAN HACKING. THE JUSTICE DEPARTMENT SAID A 25-YEAR-OLD GEORGIA WOMAN, REALITY LEE WINNER, HAD BEEN ARRESTED FOR LEAKING IT. HER PARENTS SAY THEY'RE SHOCKED. I I JUST, I'M WORRIED ABOUT HER. They say she wasn't highly political.
0: She, she is a good person. She volunteers. She does whatever she can to make the community and the world better.
2: Reality Winter spent six years in the Air Force, an intelligence analyst and language expert giving her top secret security clearance. Since February, she's been working for a national security agency contractor at this Georgia military base. On Twitter, she's no fan of Donald Trump, once calling him an orange fascist. Officials say the NSA realized the document had been leaked when an Intercept reporter called last week and said the news site had it. Technical details about efforts by Russian hackers to get into voter registration systems. Because the reporter also sent a picture of the document, investigators concluded the leaker must have printed it. Only six people had printed it out, the NSA determined, perhaps also judging by a barely visible code that embeds printer information. The FBI says it then discovered she had been in email contact from her desktop with the intercept. Confronted at home Saturday, prosecutors say she admitted printing and mailing it to the intercept. This was about as clear-cut as a leak case can get. Normally, you have some ambiguity uh, about, who the leaker could have been How damaging the information was Now she could face prison time For leaking such a highly classified document Pete Williams, NBC News, Washington So I don't know why
1: This is not being talked about More feverishly I know it is being covered But I don't I don't uh, agree with The level um, Of intensity With which it's being talked about Mm-hmm this is a big deal. Well, it should be. Not just that she leaked because this is, she's going to prison.
3: Mm-hmm. And she's she's not, young.
1: she is, and she's not, this is not whistleblowing. This is This is leaking of classified top-secret information, and she should go to prison. She should do the time, and I think I think it's likely that she's willing to do so. She knew what the consequences would be for this. mm hmm this is an act of civil disobedience. I think she is she did do this for patriotic reasons. And sometimes you do something knowing there's going to be consequences, but the benefit of your doing it outweigh the consequences that you'll face. I think the number that I've heard is that she faces 10 years in prison. Yeah. The other news And about she's 25, this, I think. Yeah, yeah. The other news about this is the fact that there's a thumb drive that apparently she she filled with information, or at least downloaded information to, or uploaded information from to. I don't know.
3: Okay.
1: I'm fucking dumb, everybody.
3: Copied information to the thumb drive. That's right. Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, that is missing. They don't know where this thumb drive is. So that could that could that's not just making a copy uh and and mailing it to the intercept. That's that could be a bummer for the NSA. And you know, let's let's be honest about this. This could be a bummer for the United States in general if it's information that she shouldn't be releasing. Because all this Russia related stuff, I believe, is 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 good on the whole.
3: You mean being able to know about it, the public having right. the opportunity to understand what's going on. That's
1: right. Now if she's compromising you hear this term all the time, sources and methods that's not good mm-hmm. because that would a lot of times that'll let Russia know how we got the information, and then they're able to plug that leak. It's like if you've got ten thousand holes in a locker room wall, yeah, and you've got a creeper peeking in,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and if you can see the angle at which if they took a photo, let's say, yeah, and like oh, I think we know what hole it is. They plug that hole. You don't have that that vantage point anymore.
3: Right. Well, I am curious about the reason that this wasn't made public before. And I almost wonder if informing the American public that there are these attacks uh, may cause them to lose hope in the electoral hmm. process and not want to participate in it next time. Yeah. I mean, I- I mean I'm not sure, but.
1: I, that's certainly a a, a possibility right.
3: Something to think about. And, and during the Comey hearing, you heard people talking about how important it was to get all of this out in the open, figure out what's going on, because we have elections coming up again.
1: Right. We're going to. What we need to be doing is not just looking into the past, but looking into the future and right. figuring out what the fuck we're going to do to stop this kind of thing from happening again.
3: Right. Because what are they going to try to do next time? Yeah.
1: That actually is more important than, look, than, than figuring out what happened.
3: Right. But then you have President Donald Trump who wants to deny that there's any sort of problem at all. Right. And that's certainly at odds with reality.
1: Yeah. Well, listen here. I, I don't, uh, listen here, Brittany. <laughs> listen here. I, I don't, the, the NSA is not a, a law enforcement organization. They're a cryptological organization. They're 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 information gathering. They don't have the purview of enforcement, so they wouldn't really be in a position to do anything about this. They'd have to pass this intelligence on. It, it does bother me if other entities within the government that don't do have an enforcement um, purview. That they didn't have the information. That does bother me. Mm -hmm. If it's so compartmentalized that the CIA, who would in turn pass this on to the FBI, who can work within the borders of the United States, that's problematic at the highest levels. So speaking of the NSA, we'll continue to follow up on this story. Trust me.
3: Because she pled not guilty, and she was denied bail. So that's basically the latest in that scenario.
1: And did I already say, I I think I heard she faces 10 years in prison. Yes. I thought it would be a lot more, but apparently it's only 10 years. so. So the NSA chief, Admiral Rogers, and the Defense Intelligence Agency director, Dan Coats, former senator. Dan Coats, former senator for the state of Indiana. He they were before Congress the other day, the Senate Intelligence Committee, and they were very frustrating, to say the least.
6: U.S. Senators struggle to get any answers from President Trump's intelligence chiefs as dramatic reports swirl about Trump asking those very officials to publicly dismiss Russia allegations related to his campaign.
5: If any of this is true, it would be an appalling and improper use of our intelligence professionals, an act, if true, that could erode the public's trust in our intelligence institutions.
6: Seemingly straightforward denials from two key players today on Capitol Hill.
8: To the best of my recollection, I have never been directed to do anything I believe to be illegal, immoral, unethical, or inappropriate. And to the best of my recollection, during that same period of service, I do not recall ever feeling pressured to do so. In
9: uh, my time of service, which is uh, in interacting with the President of the United States uh, or anybody in his administration, I have never been pressured. I have never felt pressure uh, to uh, intervene or interfere in any way.
6: But those answers proceeded to unravel, question after question, through parsing, dodging, or just outright refusal to respond.
9: You realize how simple it would simply be to say, no, that never happened. I think conversations between the president and myself um, are, for the most part... Um, you seem to apply that standard selectively. No, I'm not applying it selectively. I, I'm, I'm just saying I don't think it's you appropriate. You can clear a, an awful lot up by simply I saying that I'd, never I'd, I don't share, I do not share with the general public conversations that I have with the president or uh, uh, many of my administra- colleagues uh, within the administration that I believe are um, should not be shared. Well, I think your unwillingness to answer a very basic question speaks volumes.
6: The officials making one thing clear, there would be no clear denial of the alleged conversations with the president. Director of National Intelligence Dan Coats and National Security Agency Director Michael Rogers declining to elaborate on their initial carefully worded statements. I've
8: never been directed to do anything in the course of my three plus years as the director of the National Security (laughs) Agency. That I felt to be inappropriate, nor have I felt pressured to do so. Have you ever been asked to say something that isn't true? I stand by my previous statement, sir.
6: The intelligence officials giving limited, or at times no, rationale as to why. Then
8: why are you not answering because our questions? I feel it is inappropriate, Senator. I,
10: what you feel isn't relevant, Admiral, What's, what, what you feel isn't the answer. You swore that oath to tell us the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And today you are refusing to do so. What is the legal basis for your refusal to testify to this committee? I'm not sure I have a legal basis.
6: Even the Republican chairman of the committee was frustrated and admonished them for not answering questions.
4: At no time should you be in a position where you come to Congress without an answer. It may be in a different format, but. The requirements of our oversight duties and your agencies demand it.
1: So it got a little testy up there. For sure. And what I want to focus on here, and we're going to play a more extended set of audio clips from the hearing. Yeah. So you can kind of get a flavor than just what, um, what's her name? Brianna Keeler Mm -hmm. from CNN wanted to provide there or whatever producer. Um, sorry, I'm I'm my my mind's still in the bathroom, Brittany.
3: So the hundred percent was also a lie. <laughs> we talked about that hundred percent at the beginning. Yeah, lie.
1: So, um, I, I want to focus on the the specific choice of language that they used. They are saying that he he categorically denies ever being directed. To do something, right? Well, and then he says, "Not that I was—I was never pressured." He says he denies feeling pressured. Mm-hmm. Even Dan Coates said, "I never felt pressured." Well, there's a distinction there. That doesn't mean you weren't pressured. It means you didn't feel the pressure, because one person's stress is another person's Hawaiian vacation. Maybe you handle stress differently than I do. And what would stress you the fuck out wouldn't stress me out at all. No, I, I didn't feel pressured. Right. But when when Donald Trump is pressuring. Yeah. So there's a distinction here, and they chose, and they both used the same language. Wiggle room. They were directed by White House counsel to whom they spoke before the committee, before the hearing. They admitted it in hearing that they had spoken to the White House,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and toward the end of the, of the of the the testimony, Admiral Rogers, Mike Rogers, I th- I think he's very bothered by, by by the position he's being placed into. Yeah, because he he's saying things like, "Look, I would love to say everything." But I'm beholden to the president. He's not saying that exactly. But I'm getting the vibe that once he gets freed up by White House counsel, he's going to he's gonna sing. He's going to talk. But he can't because, one, he's active duty military. His boss, in a very real sense, is the president of the United States. Right. He can't just quit his job as the director of the NSA because... He's still in the military, and Donald Trump is the commander-in-chief of the entire armed forces of the United States.
3: So you're saying this is more complicated than it It seems.
1: Way more complicated. (laughs) So this was frustrating for the Congress, for this committee, the Intelligence Committee of the Senate, because even Director McCabe, acting FBI Director McCabe, was giving these... uh, Answers of obfuscation. He wasn't directly coming out. Well, he was just didn't. He was refusing to answer. So they weren't even answers of obfuscation because he he just wasn't fucking talking. And I believe he has more of a of a of a standing to not because he's in direct communication with the special prosecutor, with Bob Mueller. Here's this exchange with that same senator. Angus King, the independent from Maine, questioning acting FBI Director McCabe.
10: Mr. McCabe, I, I'm, I'm puzzled by your refusal to answer Senator Heinrich's question about a conversation you may have had with Director Comey. What's the basis of your refusal to answer that question?
7: Sir, sure, as I stated, I think first, uh, I, I, I can't sit here and tell you whether or not that those conversations that you're referring to. Why not do not remember them? No, no, no. I'm sorry, sir. I can't—I don't know whether conversations along the lines that you've described fall within the purview of what the special counsel is now investigating. Is
10: there some prohibition in the law that I'm not familiar
7: with that you can't discuss an item uh, and that you've been asked directly a question? It would not be appropriate for me, sir, to discuss issues that are potentially within the purview of the special counsel's investigation. And that's the basis of your refusal to answer this question. Yes, sir. And that, and knowing, of course, that Director Comey will be sitting on so the table. So it's your tomorrow.
10: position that the special counsel is entitled to ask you questions about this, but not a, a, an oversight committee of the United States Congress.
7: It is my position that I have to be particularly careful about not stepping into the special counsel's lane, as they have now been authorized. I don't by understand the why of of the Justice special counsel's lane takes
10: matters. precedence over the lane of the United States Congress and an investigative and oversight committee. Can you explain that distinction? Why does the special counsel get deference and not this committee?
7: Sir, I'd be happy Is to... Is there some legal basis for that distinction? I would be happy to take that matter back to discuss it more fully with my general counsel and with the department. But right now, that's the...
10: On the record, I would like a legal justification for your refusal to answer the question today because I think it's a straightforward question. Mm-hmm. It's not involving discussions with the president. It's involving discussions with Mr. Comey. And there, there's
1: reason there for him to be frustrated yeah because they have like they were talking about the lanes. it is his lane too
3: mm-hmm.
1: and for McCabe to just not answer it's it's not just bruising the ego, it is circumventing the 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 mission. The oversight of this particular committee.
3: Right. He's trying to get information.
1: Yeah. No. Well, and so I, I'm i torn here because I, I want to give McCabe uh, a little bit of latitude because who's going to get more done relative to getting to the bottom of the fucking mess and actually pr- providing a result if there is a criminal prosecution? It would be, uh, I almost said Admiral, uh, Bob Mueller. Former Mm -hmm. director of the FBI, special prosecutor, special counsel, Bob Mueller, I believe. That's arguable.
3: So does that mean that McCabe needs to be protective of the information and who he gives it to? Because it's more important to give it to Mueller rather than uh, an oversight committee? No, well, I don't think
1: that... uh, Because that's what
3: it sounds like he's saying.
1: I don't think McCabe, and this is just me pontificating here, I don't believe McCabe is trying to keep this information from the committee per se I think he's more aware of not making it public Mm -hmm. so if they were to ask him this in closed session I think he would be more open
3: and did this committee have a closed session because usually they would say I don't want to admit this in an open setting this is something for a closed setting
1: they did but their time is limited and he likely wasn't on the slate because that gets talked about in this next set of clips here. That uh, Admiral Rogers and Dan Coates say, "Well, I I can't talk about that in open session." Um, and he goes, "Oh, so when we we're having a closed session next, you know, in a few a few hours or or tomorrow or whatever he says," and he goes, "Yeah, but that's only going to be staff working with your staff. That's not going to be us." Mm. So, ah, uh, yeah, they probably did, but he might not have been scheduled to testify. So. That leads us to the testimony in fuller form between Angus King, Senator Angus King, Admiral Rogers, and Dan Coates. And again, listen for those code words. Listen to the specifics of the language that they use. Not that I was never asked to cover up the fact that there was a Russia investigation or never asked to to uh, refute something that the FBI said. Not that I was never asked, but that I was never directed. Because that's the the rub right now with the Comey thing. Is that he, he said he hoped it would go away.
3: Yeah, they are really loving that double meaning.
1: Yeah. So listen for those that he was never directed about feeling pressure. Listen for that during this next clip.
10: Uh, director Coates and and uh uh
1: uh, admiral rogers uh, i think you testified and then also (laughs) also imagine how goddamn frustrating it would be to be asking question questions as a sitting united states senator on this committee which has been given oversight over intelligence and the two leaders of the Defense Intelligence Agency and the National Security Agency are just flat out saying "fuck you." Uh, we're not going to answer these questions, even though we don't have any legal basis. And we're not even really giving you an answer why we're not answering your questions.
10: I'm Admiral Rogers, that you did discuss today's testimony with someone in the White House.
8: I said I asked, uh, did the White House intend to evoke executive privileges associated with any interactions between myself and the President of the United States? And what was the answer to that question? I, to be honest, I didn't get a definitive answer, and both myself and the DNI are still talking. to so the So then, White then House I'll ask both
10: House. of you the same question. Why are you not answering these questions? Is there an invocation by the President of the United States of executive privilege? Is there or not? Not that I'm aware of. Then why are you not answering because our questions? I feel it is inappropriate, Senator. I, what you feel isn't relevant, Admiral. What's, I, what, what you feel isn't the answer. The I answer stand is why are you not answering the questions? Is it an invocation of executive privilege? If there is, then let's know about it. If there isn't, answer the questions. I stand by the comments
8: I've made. I'm not interested in repeating myself, sir. And I don't mean that in, in, a, in, a, in a contentious way.
10: Well, I do mean it in a contentious yes, way. I don't understand why you're not answering our questions. You can't, <laughs> when, when you were, when you were uh, confirmed before the Armed Services Committee, you took an oath. Do you solemnly swear to give the committee
8: the truth, the full truth and nothing but the truth? So help you God, you answered do. yes to that. And I've also answered that those conversations were classified and is not appropriate in an open forum to discuss those classified conversations.
10: What is classified about a conversation involving whether or not you should intervene in the FBI investigation? Sir, I stand by my previous comments. Mr. Coates, same series of questions. What's the basis for your refusal to answer these questions today?
9: Uh, The basis is what I've uh, previously explained. I do not believe it is appropriate for me to What's the yeah, basis? I'm
10: not satisfied with I do not believe it is appropriate or I do not feel I should answer. I want to uh, understand a legal basis. You swore that oath to tell us the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, and today you are refusing to do so. What is the
9: legal basis for your refusal to testify to this committee? I'm not sure I have a legal basis, but I, I'm more than willing to sit before this committee and it is in, during its investigative process in a closed session and answer your question. Well, we're going to be having a closed session in a few
10: hours. Do you commit to me that you're going to answer these questions in a direct and un, unencumbered way?
9: Well, uh, that, that closed session you're going to have in a few hours uh, involves uh, the staff, going over the technicalities of a number of these issues and doesn't involve us. But I, Well,
10: I, is it your testimony that you will when you are me. before this committee in a closed session, you will answer these questions directly and unequivocally and without hesitation? I, I plan to do that, I, but I do,
9: have, I do have to work through the uh, legal counsel at the White House relative to whether or not they're going to exec, exercise uh, executive...
1: Uh, Admiral Rogers, will you answer these questions? Also keep in mind, and there's about 40 seconds left here, but Dan Coates didn't say, yes, I will do that. He says, I plan to do that. That's not an answer. Right now I plan to, but that could
8: change. Yeah. That's what he's saying.
1: Questions in a closed session?
8: I likewise respond as the DNI has. I certainly hope that that is what happens. I believe that's the appropriate thing. But I do have to acknowledge, because of the sensitive nature and the executive privilege aspects of this, I need to be talking to the general counsel in the White House. I hope we come to a position where we can have this dialogue. I welcome that dialogue, sir.
10: I hope so, too. And I would just add, in conclusion, that both...
1: Again, Mike Rogers seems like, look, fuck, please, anybody, save me from this. I want to talk. So... He, He sounds like his hands are tied, and the White House directed him. And again, this is just Jesse pontificating... It sounds to me with whatever knowledge or not knowledge that I have on these matters that he really wants to talk. He's not happy with the position he's in. And the White House has said no.
3: So there were a lot of I hopes in there. And I i guess we're all confused on the meaning of I hope. So right. and they said that they hope that they'll be able to talk about it.
1: Hmm. We, we, the next episode. What are you teasing? Do they really
3: want to talk about
1: it? Are you teasing the Comey episode right now? I
3: am teasing the Comey episode. That is what I'm doing.
1: You're teasing the audience.
3: <laughs> it's such a you're, good tease. You're
1: tickling the collective audience's balls, Brittany Page. Correct. Stop doing that.
3: Okay. <laughs> I will try. All right. I hope I'll be able to So stop. we've done
1: a lot of talking, as my voice gives out. We've done a lot of talking about women this episode with the Wonder Woman talk. And in previous episodes,
3: let's talk about... Too much, if you ask me.
1: <laughs> Why would we talk about women? Listen, Ridley... <laughs> was it Ridley? In I Aliens, think so. Sigourney Weaver yeah, was around in 1979. All talk about women should just stop.
3: Yeah. Plenty <laughs> in 1979. Come on.
1: We're just fucking with you, Casey. So I want to give examples of, of female politicians who were both, well, maybe we should just do this.
0: It's the asshole of today.
3: Karen Handel. Karen Handel.
1: Mm-hmm. So Karen Handel is running in that special election against John Ossoff. This is so... In Georgia.
3: So beautiful.
1: Yeah. And well, this is also more evidence that women are fully equal. They can be <laughs> equally fucking stupid. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, this is one of my favorites.
1: So talk about not being ready for prime time. Karen Handel was on the debate stage with John Ossoff. And the topic of, of the minimum wage came up. Yeah. And this is how the exchange went down does either candidate support
0: a minimum wage increase mr ossoff starts with you
2: yes i do the minimum wage should be a living wage i think we can uh, raise it indexed to the cost of living because the cost of living varies widely in urban and rural areas and in different states across this country i think that increase needs to be implemented at a pace that allows business owners uh, to adapt their business plans so they're not shocked. Their business plans are not shocked by a sudden increase in labor costs. But look, if someone's working a 40-hour work week, uh, they deserve the kind of standard of living that Americans expect. That's part of the American dream, and there are too many folks who are having trouble making ends meet.
1: That was an articulate answer. Agree or disagree about the substance of his answer
2: mm-hmm. or the
1: answer he gave. right. That is an articulate answer. I wonder how Karen Handel feels about the minimum wage. Minimum wage.
8: This is an example of the fundamental difference between a liberal and a conservative. I do not support a livable wage. What I support is making sure that we have an economy that is is robust with low taxes and less regulation so that those small businesses that would be dramatically hurt if you impose higher minimum wages on them are able to do what they do best, grow jobs and create good-paying jobs for people in the 6th District.
1: So rather than talk about minimum wage, she rambles on about taxes and small businesses. Now, the small business aspect is certainly legitimate.
3: It's very related.
1: But t- t- I mean, it just and also, who when you are asked about minimum wage and you say this,
8: this is an example of the fundamental difference between a liberal and a conservative. I do not support a livable wage.
1: <laughs> I yeah. no no a livable wage. Oh, I don't support that. That's that's insane that someone would want want to make enough money from one single job to live comfortably.
3: Yeah. I'm sure that she meant I don't support a higher minimum wage. (laughs) I do not support a livable wage. but She
1: did not say that. She
3: didn't say that. I do not support a livable wage. That's kind of the problem here, right?
1: She handed on a silver platter a campaign ad. This is a campaign ad production moment. Yeah. Where you step on your dick, your proverbial dick. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, give the enemy, give the opponent, massive ammunition.
8: Well, in this I ra- do not
3: support a livable wage. <laughs> this race is pretty close, I yes, think. Yes, yes. And this is something that Ossoff g- genuinely needed.
1: Right, and th- th- the other thing is that there's a lot of money, national money, coming into this race, which also comes with it national talent. So they're going to have the most creative minds relative to campaign advertising. And they're going to run with this. As well, they should. And this isn't even a, a discussion about minimum wage. This is just about. The, any way you look at it, that is a dumb thing to say.
8: Mm-hmm. I do not support a livable wage.
1: So, on the opposite side of this very coin, the female politician, let's end the show.
6: Taken Care
3: of Biz Kristen Gillibrand Yes And this is one of those situations where I see a lot of adults saying F word Yeah <laughs> Rather than fuck Well,
1: <laughs> you mean like on Facebook or on TV? On they, Facebook Yeah, they, okay
3: Yeah, and we know you say it We know you say it Okay. Come on. Yeah.
1: So she was at some kind of uh, event speaking to a group of people, mm-hmm. younger people. Yeah. Not like elementary school or high school, but, you know, younger millennial types, maybe a little older than that. Not, not an old stodgy crowd. Mm-hmm. And this isn't the entirety of her speech or, you know, even a, a larger portion. These are just the portions that matter to what we're talking about right now, where she's she said the word Fuck.
6: Has he kept any of these promises? No. Fuck no. Um, Instead. Sorry. Um, I understand this is a younger audience. It's okay. And even though we as Democrats are on the right side of almost all issues, many hardworking families just haven't felt that we've been fighting for them fundamentally if we are not helping people we should go the fuck home
3: so know your audience right yeah
1: (laughs) also awesome sentiment yeah that if we are not helping people we should go the fuck home Mm -hmm. because that is her role as a united states senator and while well, I'm sure our audience, I'm not really speaking to our audience, but if you're someone who does it who who is going to take issue with her message because she said the word fuck and that she's a United States Senator, fuck you. It, grow the fuck up.
3: Well, so who's taking issue with it? The people that are not upset that Donald Trump talked about grabbing women by the pussy. Also, Donald Trump has said fuck at campaign rallies. He has yes. said shit at campaign rallies. Yes. Donald Trump a 70-year-old man uses naughty words. Right. Oh my god.
1: He's going to bomb the shit out of people. Yeah,
3: and I'm sure that that message was just praised, okay? Oh yeah. So it's it's hypocritical. It's what always happens. And I wish that that people would really stop before they make a criticism and say am I being rational? Yeah. <laughs> and if a Republican did this, then you're a Republican. If a Republican did this, would I be mad, right? And then flip it around the other way. If you're a Democrat, if a Democrat did this, would I be mad? Um, I really think we need to start checking ourselves in that way. I do,
1: especially relative to the, the office of the president. I do believe we should hold the president of the United States to a different standard than some senator or some congressman. But I might be biased just based on my time in Washington that if a congressman did this someone in the House of Representatives, I would have not a thought about it. I hold senators a little higher in esteem. Mm-hmm. And then the president ultimately to the highest level. Right. So there's a, there's a degradation of allowed behavior <laughs> from the president on down. Yeah. So like, it very much bothers me that Donald Trump cursed on the campaign trail. Not because of some substantive policy issue, but just because you want to be the president, dude. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't know.
3: But he's a reality star. Yeah, he
1: he most certainly is. Yeah. Which we'll get into here in about 10 minutes. Yep. When we do the Comey episode. Pumping them out. Pumping them out. All right. We're going to leave you there. We love you guys. We appreciate you. Thank you for your patience and your long-standing dedication to the show. If you would like to communicate with us, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at com. And we will see you next time in a couple days. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dolamore, and this has been I Doubt It.